rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Because this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We want to welcome you to the Tabernacle of Praise and Worship Service. We know that we're going to have a blessed day today as we worship him in spirit and in truth. We want to welcome you from wherever you're watching today. We just want to meet you and greet you. Just say happy Sabbath. Just let us know that you're watching. Meet and greet somebody. You know, this is the time that we normally go around and sing what a fellowship and greet someone so we want to do that virtually today just meet greet somebody online you know start a watch party let somebody know it's time for church it's time to get ready for the word today today we have a blessing in store for you so just let us know that you're watching today you know we are living in some serious times every day we're looking at the news and it's some headlines every day that are pointing to the soon coming of Christ. We're going to go through some rough times, folks. And only those that are anchored in the Lord is going to be able to make it as the winds of strife are blowing on every hand. But I'm so glad that God has told those angels to hold on. Hold those, hold the winds of strife till I've sealed my saints in their heads. But right now, Jesus tells us, he says, if my people who are called by my name will simply humble themselves and pray and seek my face and then turn from your wicked ways. We're going to have to turn from my wicked ways. He said, after you do all of that, he said, then I will hear. I will hear from heaven. I will uh, forgive your sins and heal your land. We need healing today. We need healing emotionally, spiritually. We need healing in every direction. And we all, we want to hear your prayer requests. Just type in your prayer requests. If you want to say pray for my children, pray for my family, pray for my finances. We have prayer teams and, and we'll go back and we'll look at those prayer requests. Just put them in right now. Elder uh, Percy Wellington is now going to lead us to the throne of grace. Father God, Lord, what an awesome time has been set before us. Lord, we just want to take a moment right now just to reflect on your goodness, who are and whose we are. And so, Lord, with that acknowledgement, Father, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Lord, you have saw fit to keep us yet one more day, one more opportunity to come to the throne, worship with thee. So, Lord, as we have entered into this blessed and wonderful Sabbath, Lord, we're taking a moment just to thank you for allowing us to get through yet another week of this pandemic. We ask, Father God, that you would please, Lord, forgive us for all of our sins, all of our shortcomings. Lord, remove any obstacle that may be in the way, Lord, of our prayers going up and being received. We ask, Father God, that as we press forward, Lord, looking forward, Lord, to that moment when this thing is all over. Lord, that we will all have grown closer, have had a closer walk with thee, and that, Lord, we will be able to testify to the goodness of who you are and what you have done. Lord, not only will we be able to testify, but, Lord, we'll be able to say how good it was to be have been in your presence. So, Lord, we ask right now, Lord, that there are many who are watching, there are many who are online. We're asking, Father God, that your hands will be stowed upon them, Lord, touching them physically, mentally, and spiritually, Lord, asking for your spirit to move in such a manner, Lord, that somehow, some way, somebody, Lord, will be touched and will be received unto you, Lord, as a result of this, this worship hour. We're asking, Father God, that you will be with those who are suffering with this uh, illness or this pandemic, Lord. We're asking that you would touch bodies and heal them, Lord. What comes to mind, Lord, that you would also be with the family of Ezel, Lord. We're asking, Father God, that you would touch them in a mighty way, family and friends, Lord who were close to the brother, Lord. We're asking that you would just take them, Lord, to another level of walking with you and let them know, Father, that you are still alive, that you are still moving, that you are still holding. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would cover them in a special way. Lord, we ask that you would continue, Lord, to be with our conference. Lord, we are so grateful, Lord, for what you have done and allowing them, Lord, to be able to work mightily for you. We're grateful, Lord, for what they've been able to do, Lord, for the Tabernacle of Praise family. And so, Lord, even right now, as we contemplate the thought of what Elder Paris is going to say, Lord, we ask, Father God, that you would touch his heart. 
move him, Lord, in the spirit of God, so that as he stands before the children, Lord, that he would not be seen, nor would he be heard, Lord, but you would be seen, and you would be heard. We're asking, Father God, also, Lord, that you will continue to bathe us, Lord, in your spirit. Send us an additional portion of your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that we can learn, so that we can grow, so that, Lord, we can be able to testify to the goodness of who you are. And so, Lord, with that being said, Lord, we want to just press forward and worship right now. We want to say thank you one more time, and we look forward, Lord, to being able to witness for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good morning, church. Today we're going to start with giving testimonies. So each Sabbath hereafter, we're going to try to reach out to our members to ask them to help join us uh, on our service this morning to give a testimony and tell the other the other members, Lord, uh, other members, how good God has been to you. Today I'm going to start it off. <clears throat> My son and his wife were expecting a baby this week, and we put out a little prayer request throughout the family to pray for uh, Caroline, and, and as she delivered this baby, that everything would be okay. A lot of times we don't know all the specifics about <clears throat> Uh, what's going on with the baby. Of course, they do ultrasounds and different things. <clears throat> and when they did that, everything looked fine. Everything was fine. But then they found out um, she went into labor on uh, Wednesday night, Wednesday morning at three, about three o'clock in the morning, but she didn't actually give birth till 1138 Thursday night. So it was a long time, I guess, what, 20, 19, 20 some hours. Anyway, once the uh, baby was born and was delivered, they noticed that the umbilical cord was wrapped around the baby's throat. Now that right there is a big problem because it could cut off the airways and all kinds of things. But not only that, there was a knot tied in the umbilical cord. So you got two things going on here. You have the, the, the baby could be strangled. Or the baby did not in the, in the umbilical cord could cut off the blood flow, the airways, the food. I mean, it's just all kinds of things that's going on there. And, and the baby didn't have any problems at all. Not one problem at all. So I'm going to start sharing some of these pictures. Bear with me as I kind of go through some of these pictures. That's the little one right there. No problems with breathing. No problems with the blood flow. Uh, no problems with any any kind of problem that she had at all. And all I can do is just thank the Lord for that because it could have been a lot worse. A lot of things could have gone wrong there. And I just thank the Lord for answering our prayers. Our prayers were pretty generic because we didn't know the specifics. And we just prayed, Lord, that she would have a healthy birth. And she did. And I thank the Lord for that. And my testimony is just to let you know that whenever something is coming up, whenever you hear anything going on in somebody's family or they're getting ready to have birth or whatever, just say a word of prayer. You just don't know what you're praying for at all. So I thank you for the time that you uh, I've been allowed um, to share that testimony. Now, we have to remember to be very faithful. This is also the stewardship time to be faithful in our tithe and offering. Lord has blessed us tremendously, even through this coronavirus, and, and he has blessed us so much. So I'm asking everyone to remember to re, uh, turn your tithe and offering as you see the cash app there. Uh, we also can get on our website and do uh, uh, um, give, give the tithe and offering through our website also. But uh, I just thank you for this time. And just remember um, to keep every all our members in prayer. We don't see them a lot anymore because we're at home but uh put a little list together of all the people that you're used to talking to around this time as paul mentioned we would go around and hug each other we're not doing that now so let's just remember to uh remember our friends and people we haven't seen in a while just to pray for them you have no idea what they're going through thank you amen amen praise the lord what a mighty god we serve Thank you, for Andre, for that encouraging word right there. There's no situation beyond God's control. So we should be just faithful stewards because God has been faithful to us. And speaking of faithfulness, I just, in just a slight introduction, our pastor, Pastor Mark Paris, who has been faithful, faithful to this conference over 30 years, 
He has sacrificed and giving, given of himself uh, to this conference. And I just want to thank him personally for his uh, devotion to, to the Lord first and to our conference. And he has helped bridge the gap uh, while we were without a pastor. We want to thank him and the rest of the conference uh, members uh, for that. And we know that Pastor Paris is uh, going to continue to bring us a powerful word today. want to just thank his wife, Kelly, and I know they're going to be celebrating anniversary at the end of the month. So we want to just say happy anniversary uh, right now and just pray to God's blessings will be upon you and your family as you continue to serve him. So after our special music given to us by Sister Beverly Stewart Anderson, the next voice you will hear will be that of Elder Mark Paris. Hear ye him. Sing along with me. I'm just going to sing a hymn this morning. Oh, how I love Jesus. What a testimony. so grateful that God has first loved us. So grateful for that song, Beverly. You sang that song. And uh, I'm so grateful that God loved us first. Uh, God looks out for us and God is good uh, to us. Uh, Elder uh, 
Paul Harris. I'm so thankful for your leadership in this church. Uh, I thank you for this invitation that you've given me to come and to speak uh, at, at your church. And I'm asking that you continue to pray for us as we uh, deliver this message today. Uh, I, I believe God has something for us to hear uh, today as we preach his message. Let us pray. We're so thankful, Lord, for this opportunity just to preach your word. We're so grateful, Lord, that we have the opportunity to center stage Christ as we preach his word, as we begin to allow others to know that this Jesus Christ is the one who can save us, the one who can transform us, the one who can change us, and we depend on him. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I like to read the text out of Genesis chapter 22, verses one through six. I'm always excited about uh, the Bible, about the way God gives us stories so that we can understand uh, how to walk through life. Uh, the story comes from Genesis 22, one through six, and it says sometime later, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac, where he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering. He set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance, he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I go and I lay the boy over on the altar. We will worship and then we will come back. I want you to notice that. And then we will come back. Well, how are you going to put someone on the altar, burn him, and then we will come back? It should have been, and then he will come back. But in reality, that's exactly what happened. Then we will come back. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the, the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for burnt sacrifice, for burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide he himself the lamb as the burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Went both of them together. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. We're so thankful, Lord, for this opportunity again just to, to hear your word. We want you to pull out the points that we need to understand from this lesson so that we too can understand how to follow Christ better, how to be just like him. And so we ask, Lord, that you will pull out those lessons and teach them to us, we pray. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. First point is, you can trust God when you can't trace him. You can trust God when you can't trace him. Or you can trust God even when you don't really know what's going on when you don't have an answer, when you don't know what direction to go in, you can still trust God because God knows exactly what's going on. Abraham uh, has some dysfunctional flaws as all of us do. Abraham had accepted without question the promise of a son. Abraham was anxious to see the fruition of the promised birth of his son. But Abraham would have to wait for God to fulfill his request in his way and in his time. And this is what usually messes us up, is not believing nor trusting in God's way nor in God's time. If it doesn't seem as if it's going the way we think it should go, then we have problems, then we stress out. But in this case, Abraham needed to trust God. Why does God create a waiting period before he allows a miracle? The trying test of realizing the birth of a son to test and to expand the faith and trust of Abraham. Abraham's faith needed to be trusted. Even though he's considered the person of faith, he at this time was still struggling with faith. 
and even failed the test, as it were. Sarah assumed that she could not conceive a child at her old age. Sarah, because she did not trust God, suggested a human plan to fulfill God's plan. And one thing I know is whenever we try to do what only God can do, we're going to mess up. There's going to be catastrophe. There's going to be some real issues because we don't trust that God knows what he's doing. And Abraham, even though he was a faithful servant, did not trust what God was going to do. In fact, sometimes we pull stuff back into our own hands, and that's why we mess it up. The lesson we should learn is that we should never help God. God doesn't need our help. We need his. And that God will not deviate from ethical practices to get from point A to point B. Anytime we see someone or some entity straying away from a, the straight and authentic path just to create a so-called success somewhere down the line, the consequences of your practice will affect us negatively. We must trust God. If a politician wins nominations without following spiritual core values, the politician will reap a whirlwind. I am not, I, I, I may not be immediately seeing what's happening or how God's going to make it work. But I ought to trust that God knows what he's doing. I ought not do any trickery to make sure that what needs to, what I think needs to happen for me will happen for me, for me. Point two, you don't have to Negro rig it. <laughs> you don't have to Negro rig it. If we trust what God's gonna do, trusting that God can do what he says he can do. I don't need to rig it. I don't need to put my own mind into it, my own hands into it. I should not do it my own way because I think this is the only way to do it. I ought to do it the way God wants me to do it. I can see Sarah's suggestion. She had an effective plan, plan it seemed. The plan that Sarah suggested Abraham was that Abraham would go into the tent of Sarah and Sarah's handmaid and have a procreative activity was Sarah's handmaid. So we understand Sarah could not breed children. Um, she had a hard time. It seemed like nothing that they could do together would create a child. So what she does is Sarah suggests that Abraham takes her handmaiden and we'll let that baby of the handmaiden be our baby. We'll, we'll adopt her so that she'll be both your baby by, by birth and my baby by adoption. Um, bad mistake. Anytime I think that I can find a way to do something that's out of the realm of ethics, I'm not following or believing or trusting in God. Polygamy, though it had become so widespread at that time, was still regarded as sin but it was no less a violation of the law of God. Um, what is difficult is that after the aftermath of polygamy. I mean, it sounds like a good idea. It assumed to be a good idea, but in the end, it wasn't a good idea. In fact, actually, she should have never done it. Actually, her husband should have never suggested that she do it as she asked to do it. We're sometimes flattered with the honor, as it, as it were. Abraham's wife began to think, hmm, you, you know, and, I, and I'm, when I'm talking about Abraham's wife, I'm talking about his second wife. <laughs> Abraham's second wife, which would be the mother of the child, began to think that she was better than Sarah. She thought, look, you can't breed a baby, but I can. And she began to become haughty. Um, it seemed like there was some concerns here, though it was Sarah's earnest entry that had that that had talked to Hagar to be the child to, to be the one who would have the child. She now reproached him, her husband, <laughs> and said, This is your fault. Okay, so she suggests the mistress, that what you do 
his wife said, you take my mistress and you make a child from her. But after Abraham did what she said, then she was mad at him. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't make sense how we put ourselves in situations and then we blame somebody else for it. If we have put ourselves in that situation, we should take responsibility for that situation. But this was a situation that was a bit knotted as it were. There's a lot of issues here because now Hagar, who's not the wife of Abraham, becomes not only the wife, but she also becomes the person who gives this family a child. Maybe you don't understand all the dynamics, see, because the, the dynamics are now that the one who has the child thinks he's better than the one who is his wife. It's convoluted. It's, it's, it's messed up now. Uh, there are a lot of issues that are, are at hand now. It's, it's messing up the dynamics of the family. Uh, 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 there's no question that it should not have been done. Uh, sometimes we do stuff that should never be done and when we do it, we feel the consequences of it. What we ought to do is trust God. What we ought to do is know that God's gonna work it out the way he's gonna work it out, but he's not gonna work it out by going around the about way and making it more of a mess than of a message. God knows how to work it out. And if we would let God work it out, sometimes we need to learn how to step back. This isn't just talking here to meet to Abraham and his wife and, and the one who became the maiden. This is talking to me that at times we don't trust God to do what he has to do. So we think we have to help God do it. That's how we get in the mess. We think we have to help God come to some consensus, be able to do it in a way that it works out, but God can do it in a way that works out. But when we try to take it, we always mess it up. The consequences were grave. Because of this situation, finally, Sarah was jealous of the fact that now this maiden who did all my work in the house gets more teaching than I do. And then she says, send my maiden away. Hagar is becoming haughty. And I want you to send her away. Well, she set this scenario up. It doesn't at times make sense to me how we try to fix stuff. But in reality, in this particular situation, God signed off on it. God signed off on it because it should not have happened. God told Abraham, you do what your wife tells you to do. Even though the first suggestion was a bad suggestion, now the suggestion she has is a proper uh, uh, way for you to go. That's, that's the way you should do it. Tell her to go. She made her way to the desert in the story. You remember it? And she rested beside a fountain, lonely and friendless. And an angel of the Lord came to her in human form and appeared to her, addressing her as Hagar, Sarai's maid. You know, I don't take little things for granted. When, when the angel came, she told Hagar, consider her Sarai's maid so that she could remember exactly that she's not really the rightful wife. <laughs> Hagar is the maid. Sometimes God has to remind us when we mess up. When we try to fix stuff, when we try to fix it right, that, 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 no, 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 it, this didn't fix anything. We're not fixing it up. We're really, so, so, so I want you to realize, Hagar, no matter what you think, you're really still Sarai's maid. And to remind her that, that, that God reminded her that she's, her position was under the, was under, was under Sarai's hand. Your position is, you're not the wife, really. 
but you are Sarai's maid. The Lord has heard the affliction, according to the Bible. The Lord heard the affliction of Sarai. And he said, I will multiply, and as I multiply thy seed exceedingly, this shall not be, there shall not be numbered for a multitude. And what God said to her, and even said to Sarai, is this thing is rough. You got into a bad place here. But what I'm going to still do, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless Sarai, and I'm going to bless you. So I'm going to bless both of you. So that both the parties, the one who was a handmaid and the one who was married to him legitimately will be blessed. I'm going to give both God's blessing. And what happened was that she, the, the, the child she called Ishmael, Ishmael, which means God still hears. Even when I'm doing wrong, even when I messed up, God still hears me. And he heard both Sarai and the maiden who was not the rightful person who should have had the child. But God said, I'm blessing you and I'm blessing your nation. I'm blessing two nations. Not because you deserve it, but because I want you to know I still want to bless you. When Abraham was about 100 years old, the promise of the son was repeated. <laughs> See, let me put it this way. God, even though you may have forgotten about the stuff that messed you up, God takes you back to fix it up. God wants you to know, even though you did it wrong, I'm still counting on you to do it right. Fix it up the second time. When Abraham was nearly 100 years old, the promise of the son was repeated. In other words, uh, uh, Abraham uh, was told again that you're going to receive a child, not, not from the, the maiden, but from your wife. I'm still going to bless you. The reason why I'm going to bless you is because I told you a long time ago I would bless you. You'll become a father of many people. You'll become father of a great nation. You'll become father of the great nation that would represent me. And so I'm going to bless you like you've never been blessed before, even though you messed up. I love that. God will, even though you, even when you mess up, God still is a person who blesses you. Oh, let, me, let me say it again. Sometimes we think when we mess up, God's never going to bless us. No, that's not what God said. God's going to make sure we understood what we walked through. God's going to make sure he gives us an understanding of, of, of what we've done, but then God is going to bless us. But Abraham did not yet uh, uh, understand the promise. <laughs> Even now, God did not understand the promise. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Abraham didn't understand the promise. And he did not understand what God was going to do for him. But in the promise, he says, he turns to Ishmael, and, and, and with the promise, Abraham still doesn't believe and believe that God's going to use Ishmael clinging to the belief that though through him, God's gracious purpose was to be accomplished. But that's not the way God was going to accomplish it. God knew how he was going to accomplish it. Can I say this? We need to stop helping God. God needs to help us. We need to stop trying to make it so that God does something that we think he should do. We should stop helping God. We should stop giving God hints. We should allow God to do what he's going to do. Finally, one day, there's the birth of Isaac. After a long life of waiting, the fulfillment of their dearest hopes filled the tent of Abraham and Sarah with gladness. May not come when you want him, but he's right on time. And so he gave them the child. He also became an inheritor of, of finances. Uh, he became rich. He became a father of nations. But, 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 but here's the point I really want to get to. God gives us 
and it get it gave his wife what she wanted. The problem we have is we're sometimes too impatient to wait. But believe me, God will do what he says he will do. God promised to give them a son. They didn't believe that, so they tried to make it themselves, do it their own way, want to use their own platform. But, but, but what, what God teaches us in this lesson is, I will give you what I say I will give you, but I'm not, I may not give it at the time you think I should give it to you. But what I'm really trying to do in the process is have you trust me. You don't see it, you can't feel it. I want you to learn how to live by faith. And faith does not live by sight. Faith lives by a understanding that I trust Jesus. So the Lord through a holy angel directed him to, 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 uh, to, to, to grant Sarah her desire. His love for Ishmael or, or Hagar ought not to stand in the way for only this could be to restore the happiness. Now Sarah has a child. Hagar is jealous. Now, this would have never happened had they done it right. I just want to, a lot of stuff that happens to us that causes confusion in our homes and in our lives because we don't wait on God. But God didn't do, God, God gave them when God gave her a son, Sarah. Hagar had to go because Hagar was troubled. Hagar wanted to still be felt as if she was the first one. God wanted to be, be known, know that I'm not, you, I'm going through, I'm not going through her. I'm going through, I'm not going through Hagar. I'm going through Sarah. And the angel gave them a promise that they would have a child and that if Abraham obeyed the word, even though sometimes it was with keen suffering. Now, let me be clear here, and I want to use this as I, as I close. God, God, God wanted to make sure, take it back just a bit. God just wanted to make sure that Sarah could have the benefit of what she wanted. What Sarah wanted was to make sure that Hagar would leave. Saddest thing, hardest thing to do. But again, it wouldn't be the hardest thing to do if we would not have put ourselves in that situation. So what God does is he tells Abraham that Sarai is your wife. And if Sarai wants Hagar and her son to go, Hagar and her son needs to go. Now remember, you set it up, Abraham. You let it happen. But now you got to be one of a person who fixes it and fixes it. Give your wife what she wants. Now this, that's, that's, that's almost a poignant lesson. Give your wife what she wants. Now I, 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 I don't want to make sure, I want to make sure that everybody hearing me isn't saying what I'm saying that you ought to give your wife everything she wants. All I'm saying is, if it's your wife, it should not be put against or pushed against another woman. Your wife ought to be the center of your joy. The other woman can go. And so the Lord through a holy angel directed him to grant Sarah's desire, which was that she wanted Ishmael and Hagar to go. Because God understood the family should be a family that is definitely one where there's a husband and a wife and nobody else should have a way to be a part of that family. I'd like to close this with my last point. Because this point helps us to understand the lessons God wants to teach us from this whole lesson. God wanted Abraham as he took his own son. And in the last scenario, you remember, God told him to take his son to the mountain and to kill him. 
in the final analysis, God wants us to understand that when he took the child to the mountain to be sacrificed, it was an understanding of Jesus who went down the cross. If it had been difficult even for the angels to grasp the mystery of redemption. And so when God ends this story, what God wants to end this story with is having us understand the sacrifice of Jesus. He wanted Abraham to understand the sacrifice of Jesus. And really it was the best scenario I could ever see because Abraham took his son, took him up to the mountain. The son said, um, I see the fire. Um, I see the, the wood you put in, but where's the lamb? I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that, that Abraham's son had a, an understanding of this because they practiced this. But where's the lamb? Uh, Abraham's answer was, God will provide himself a lamb. Who? Because what God was trying to do was demonstrate no matter how much mess we have been in, no matter how, much, how many times we have sinned, no matter how many times we strayed from God, the reality of it is that we don't pay the price. Come back. It's not us that pays the price. We can talk about all the stuff we've been through, but really we don't pay the price. The price that God wants us to understand is the price of his blood. Oh, my mercy. God is the one who wants us to understand that even though we deserve everything that God took for us, that God is saying, I'm paying the price for you. I mean, the, best, the best lesson we can learn is that Christ is telling us at the end, I'm still going to pay the price for you. Hmm. Abraham says, and when the father had, Abraham said, when the commandment was given to Abraham to offer up his son, the interest of all heaven beings were enlisted. With intense eagerness, they watched each step in the fulfillment of the command. Abraham, before you wasn't willing to pay the price. You, you, you wasn't willing to wait for me to give you a, a child. So, 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 so now I want to see, do you still trust me? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to put your son on the altar. Even though you know I should not kill your son, put your son on the altar because I want to teach you a lesson. And so as he put his son on the altar, it says to us in, in, in spirit of prophecy that, that, that his son, Isaac, did not even fight his father when his father told him what he was going to do. His son acted like Jesus when Jesus would come to sacrifice. His son said, I'll, I'll, I'll yield, daddy. I'm not going to fight because I'm, I'm, I'm really probably have more energy than you do, dad. But I'm going to obey you. Just like you want us to obey God. Tied him up. On his arms, tied him up on his feet. Put him up on the altar. And then as he put him up on the altar, <laughs> the, there was a voice from heaven. And it says, God will provide himself a lamb. When all is said and done, God gets to that last lesson. That last lesson is, despite the fact that you deserve to die, despite the fact that you deserve not to be saved, despite the fact that you have committed sin, despite the fact that you have done all, all manner of evil, God is really saying, I can still and I will save you. Why? Because of the, the lamb. Hmm. Somebody's going to have to pay. But Jesus says, I'm going to pay. I'm willing 
to pay the price because the price has to be paid. And if I wanted to pay that price, then you ought to also be willing to pay that price as a person to make sure somebody else is brought to Christ. Hmm. If we feel that we're losing, God wants us to know that we're really winning. Why? Because Jesus is the one who wins for us. Lord, this was a difficult lesson, especially for Sarah and Abraham. They were both in their human power trying to do things the way they thought it should be done. But you put them in a scenario where they had to yield to you and trust you. And that's exactly what you're doing with us. You're putting us at a place where we yield to you and trust you. We don't know exactly what all is happening, but all we know is that there is a process that you're using because you're trying to save us. You're transforming us. You're testing us to save us. And so Lord, I'm asking that you would teach us how to be faithful to every scenario that comes up so that we can allow you to do what you want to do with us. We want to be those who tell the world and testify that we love Jesus. And whatever Jesus asks us to do, we will do because we believe as, as Abraham took his son up, he believed somehow his son would be resurrected. He believed that he wouldn't die forever but he believed he would be resurrected. If we can just trust you, even when it doesn't make sense, then we know, Lord, you will continue to bless us by your grace. We thank you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord, Pastor. That was such a powerful message, a message of hope and faith and trust knowing that when I mess up, when you mess up, God can still make a miracle out of our mess. Thank you for that so much. God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that we don't have to perish, but we can have everlasting life if we just continue to trust and hold on to his unchanging hand. Thank you, Pastor, once again for that message of hope, giving us hope out of this mess that we're in. Thank you so much, Pastor. And next just in a couple of announcements next week um pastor bernard is going to install our new pastor and so we want you all to uh, make sure that you have all your friends neighbors everyone tuning in next week as pastor bernard installs our new pastor and also uh this wednesday we want you to tune in at seven o'clock for our power hour much prayer, much power, little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. So we know we need the power of God to make it uh, in these troubling times. Also at 2.30 today, we're gonna have our training for discipleship class led out by Sister Karen Lewis. We're uh, studying out of the book, Testimonies for the Church, volume uh, one, chapter 68, entitled The Future. Want to know about the future? Tune in uh, today. We have some very good studies. God has been blessing us. Once again, I want to thank Pastor Paris for that powerful message. Now, until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace, both now and forevermore.